0: The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I do have,
1: have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth!
0: The problem is having the right worldview and acting upon it.
1: The worldview
0: that gives men and women the truth of what is. Welcome to Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show about God's truth in today's society from a multi-generational pastoral perspective. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of Aletheia Bible Fellowship's Project Vigilance a web portal that provides internet Christians out there with helpful content and insights. We're produced by ABF's Vigilance Radio Network. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at abfpdx.org where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about us. At the top of the show today, let's remember to help us spread this content by liking, sharing, and subscribing to this episode. And if you haven't yet, go ahead and join our Facebook group, where you can stay up to date on this and all our programming. You can find it at vrn.abf on Facebook. Now that all that's said, I'm Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF, and this is Pastor Monty.
1: Welcome to Truth Time. I am Pastor Monty, and we are going to continue our discussion. We have been having a discussion of what the scriptures say in regard to Christianity, and what should we then, as uh, disciples of Christ, model. And today we're going to take a look at in the Christ factor uh, a little bit more. Christianity is, um, for today, what we're looking at is that Christianity is uh, completing the task which is set before us with uh, joy, joyfully. And we have a couple places in Scripture where the Apostle Paul admonishes us that we do that, that we uh, complete the task uh, joyfully that we have been given Uh, In the Lord, and so he, uh, for example, in Acts, in the book of Acts, um, chapter uh, twenty, verse twenty-four, he says this of himself: He says, "But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, in order that I may finish the course in the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus, to testify solemnly of the gospel." Of the grace of God, so Paul understood what his task was, and his task was to, to uh, share the gospel, to share the gospel specifically to Gentiles. Uh, he was called to minister to the Gentile people, and he knew what his task was, and so he saw that as his end game, as it were, that he rejoiced in the Lord in being able to do that, but that he could complete that task as well. Now, for those of you that are not uh, evangelists, you have been called to a specific calling. You haven't, uh, you know, you're not a pastor. You're not um, a leader inside of the church. You're just a part of the body of Christ. You may say, well, that really didn't apply to me because, you know, I don't have a specific task that I'm called to do and while it's true that sometimes there are um god does not call every individual to a specific task as believers we're still called to complete uh, certain tasks
0: well i mean he does call every believer to a specific task it just might not be uh like a monumental task it might not be one that on the surface appears
1: to be um you know big uh okay so you want to split hairs over that? I, I do.
0: I, no, I think I think it's an important thing. I think it's an important thing. Like, for instance, it is not a small thing to be the mother of a child. And and as a believer, you know, maybe you haven't been called to go out there and be a missionary and die for your faith. But you have been called to be the mother of this child who may be a missionary who goes out there and dies for their faith.
1: Um. Yeah, yeah. Or if you've been given uh, twins or triplets. Okay. Um, that's definitely a huge task. Yeah. Well, you know,
0: being, being a deacon, being the person, being a custodian, being a janitor at the church. Like, God lays all sorts of things on people. So I, I just, every, what I'm saying is not just, I just, because I know you're not saying it. I know you're not saying that only some people are important.
1: That's not what I'm saying. That nor did I imply that. Right. I'm simply saying. But a person that, could take it the wrong way if they weren't listening carefully. That's all yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for clarifying that, Josh. No, that's what I do. Um, yeah. 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 No, what I was referring to specifically is that as believers, we are all called to um, to task inside of uh, inside of Christ. That we are we are to be. Uh, members of the body of Christ, we are to participate in the body of Christ, we are to be in the process of being sanctified, so we are to be um, in that sanctification process, aware that we are uh, growing in maturity in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are to be cognizant of how it is that we act and live that we might bring glory to Jesus Christ. So there are tasks which are before us, Aside from very specific narrow tasks that the Lord might give people inside of the body of Christ, and everybody should uh, be looking at their own lives to see how it is that you uh, might accomplish those things.
0: Yeah, at the very least, and and it is not to make light of it. You have the Great Commission, which is a large, it's a large and specific task, just making disciples.
1: Yeah, and 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 uh, thanks, Judge, because because many people misunderstand the Great Commission. They there are a lot of people that when they think of the Great Commission, they think that, that it's just making spiritual babies, mm. and uh, it's not about making babies. It's about uh, growing those babies up to be mature believers in the body of Christ. Make disciples right so making babies that's uh you know that's an evangelistic type of uh, effort right so you know but you make disciples that's a lifelong process right there Yep. so and, and we are to be involved in the process of making disciples so you need to ask yourself the question then you know how are you involved doing that are you touching people's lives are you working towards that are you doing something that is uh towards that goal as well so there are many things that as believers we need to be uh, involved in and the apostle paul says that that we need to joyfully approach those things and uh and so he says further when he's talking to timothy in second timothy um chapter four uh, verse 6 through 8, he again addresses this same issue uh, about uh, the importance that is, is set there. He says, um, He says this, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and my time of departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord The righteous judge will award me on that day, and not only me, but also all who have loved his appearing. You know, the Apostle Paul is at the end of days for him. He knows that. He knows that he's, uh, you know, he's getting old. And he he can look back over his life, and he can say, I've been faithful. And I think that that's, you know, that's something that we can look forward to. It's something that we should look forward to as being able to say at the end of the day, um, we've been faithful. You know, I've talked a little bit about, um, I, I'm dating myself, I know. But I, I remember when, um, you know, it was a big do. There was a, a men's conference that was going around the country. You know, talking about what it meant to be a man and, and, uh, and, and how, how to do that. And I remember listening to some of the people that uh, attended this thing, this conference, and how they were hyped up and so excited about, you know, um, you know being a man of God and, and following through and doing the things that you're supposed to. And I commended them, and, and so, you know, I obviously I, I had opportunity to talk to some of these people, and they were just so excited. But they were wondering why <laughs> they, they, they were one It was called Promise Keepers. And they were wondering why it is that I wasn't overly excited about it or that I hadn't attended any of the Promise Keeper things. And basically what I told them is, look, here's the deal. I said, you know. I was a Promise Keeper before the formal Promise Keepers grouping ever uh, came about. At that point, I had been married, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. Um, I I've now have been married 41 years. But, but I said to that individual, I said, you know, I was a pre- Promise Keeper before this movement came about. And I am a promise keeper now, and I will be a promise keeper as long as God gives me breath. My question to you is, I don't want to dampen your excitement, but uh, being a promise keeper is not about getting hyped up about going to sessions and, and uh, you know having somebody pump you up. Being a promise keeper is a daily task which you commit to and which you are faithful to. And my question to you is, are you going to be a promise keeper 5, 10, 15 years from now? That's the real question. And the Apostle Paul is basically saying to Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I've fought the good fight. I've worked diligently for the Lord. I've completed the task that is before me, and, uh, and I, I rest in that. And that's something that we can look forward to. And so my question to you is, have you fought the good fight? Are you continuing to fight the good fight? Do you have joy in serving the Lord? And are you faithful to that which He has given you? That's what it means to faithfully serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Joshua anything?
0: Um no, not really, other than just the emphasis on um, joy and thanks to God for the opportunity to serve. I think that a lot of people think that discipline without that joy is all that needs to be there. And if you are, you know, doing the job but you're grumbling, God doesn't like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. So
0: it is, it's, a, it is a huge aspect of, um, being a Christian.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's having the it's having a, a larger understanding. We're not saying that you know some of the tasks which are before you are uh, are not difficult. Um, I remember my my wife was telling me that that uh, one of the things that she dreaded most about going to women's meetings within the general. A conference, so basically sure. what you have is wives of pastors within a, a conference. She said one of the things she hated most about going to those things was that what the women did is get together and complain about all the difficulties they're having, mm. either with their uh, being in ministry, you know, either with their husbands or their congregations or, you know, etc. And, and don't get me wrong, that is a difficult task. To be the uh, to be the spouse of uh, you know of uh, somebody who is called to shepherd a congregation that's not easy. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's difficult on so many levels. But these women would get together and and the bulk of their time, aside from aside from listening to speakers, a bulk of their time they were complaining. And she you know she just didn't like that. Um, and I can understand why we, you, there are lots of things that the Lord may call us to do may not be that much fun, but we are called to have a broader perspective of what he's calling us to. Right. You know, even, even the Lord himself, uh, understood that he had a task to complete and, uh, was faithful to that task. Look at, uh, John chapter 17. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to the Father, and he said, I glorified uh, thee. I don't know if Jesus really spoke with these and those, uh, but here, that's what it says. I glorified thee on the earth, having accomplished the work which thou hast given me to do. Why are you reading from a King James? Uh, it happened to be what I get, uh, grabbed. Okay. This is actually a New American Standard. What? The- That's an old NASB. Oh, boy. So Jesus said that he glorified thee and that he had done the task that thou had sent him to do. Okay. (laughs) Yes. And so because of that, the Father was glorified. And we need to be reminded that even our Lord was given a task and he was faithful to that task in his case, even to the shedding of his own blood on the cross, that we might be covered by that blood, so that we might be brought into, back into relationship with our Creator. That was the task of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and he was faithful to that task as well. Even though there were opportunities provided for him to not fulfill that task, he given him he gave himself to fulfilling that task so when closing the christ factor um, you know what what we're talking about here is you know you need to be thinking about you know what is your task what is it that you are called to do are you called to just you know are you uh, working through your faith and you're in the process of sanctification you're learning what it means to be a disciple of christ you're in the process of, uh, you know, becoming a disciple of Christ to glorify him in everything that you do. That's a complicated process. Or has God called you to a specific task? And, and, or has he called you to a task and that task is done and now you're looking at another task? Um, my, my son, um, this one that sits across from me, who adds his two cents when he thinks it's necessary. Yes, um, as asked, he, as asked yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he, he, reminds me that the, the concept of retirement is not in Scripture. It is not in Scripture. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we're always, I'm always wrestling with. One of the things we face in life is that we go through stages in life. So, you know, there's, there. I know you know this, I mean, you know, there's the, but but many people don't think of it in this way. I mean, you know, you have your youth, you grow up and finish school, what am I going to do as an adult, what am I going to do as I have a family or raise a family, you know, all the things that are responsible there. And part of that, as we get older, is the concept of uh, slowing down a little bit. So, um, you know, even now, one of the things that um, Josh and I talk about is how is it that I might be involved in helping him to complete his task in the local body here? So where are you? What is it that your task is and where are you in that? And you, are you joyfully seeking to complete that? Mm-hmm. That is part of what scripture represents Christianity to be. All right. We're going to move on from the Christ factor and uh t- do a little bit of uh what's up with that? Ooh, what's up with that? What's up with that? Ooh, well, I got uh, I have 3 uh, things that I, I obviously I could kind of have more, but I have three things that I came across this last week that I I found to be a puzzlement. Uh, let's talk about this. Um, maybe some of you are aware. You might have heard this, but there was a, a young man who was at a, a football game, and he was low on beer. So okay. So he asked. He held. <laughs> He held up a sign during the football game and asked if uh, people could contribute to uh, getting him some more Bud Light because he was uh, low on beer. And people responded, uh, so much so that um, he he garnered, uh, just from holding up that sign, over a million dollars. What? Over a million dollars. And Anheuser-Busch was um, watching all of this, and, and the kid, rather than taking the million dollars and using it for himself, said, you know what? That's not right. I'm going to give this money to my local children's hospital. Oh, that's cool. And so he did. So he did. And Anheuser-Busch said, you know what? This is a cool kid, and so we're going to match the, that, Wow, to the children's hospitals. Sounds pretty good, right? Wow. Well, not exactly. You see the local paper where this guy lived, mm-hmm. the Des Moines Register, right, a, a, wrote there uh, was there was a, uh, there was a, uh, a newspaper reporter who decided that this guy was too good to be true. Now, Mm. now, keep in mind that, you know, all he did is say, you know what, thanks for giving me the beer money, but I've got so much of this, I just want to use it wisely. Um, But Anheuser-Busch, they they matched it. They actually put his face on a can of beer, a can of Bud Light. Uh Uh-huh. This 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 uh, reporter at the Des Moines Register said this guy is too good to be true, and I'm going to do a deep dive on him. Okay. Well, he was a young man, and six years before this, when he was a teenager, mm-hmm. around 16 years old, he posted some racially insensitive things, as one does, apparently. Well, evidently, when you're 16, you do a lot of things you shouldn't, particularly in the age of media. Yeah. So when Anheuser-Busch heard this, they dropped this kid like a hot potato. Sure. We're not going to touch this. But did they also bail one? Well, no, no. They did turn around and say, okay. They matched we, the money? Yeah, they matched it. So that's a good thing. But their attitude was they dropped him like a hot potato. Yeah. Um, and the kid started getting, you know, the—I mean, people were on his case because he had said these things that were racially insensitive when he was a teenager. Well, a lot of people were upset with the Des Moines Register. Right. They said, "What is your problem? What's up with that?" Yeah. So people. Did, so people did a deep dive. On the, Des Moines, on the Register. Des Moines Register, particularly the reporter, and he wasn't so lily white either. Wow! So he got fired. Wow! From the Des Moines Register. It gets better because <laughs> because the governor of the state invited this boy over and gave him a congratulatory certificate and said, "You know, people make mistakes when they're young." but you've grown up to be a fine young man this is a great gesture and congratulations to you wow but this thing is just full of all kinds of stuff here's the thing if you're a young person don't post stupid things on the on the media cuz they can come back to bite you that's crazy now i'm i'm considering and you guys can tell me what you think but i'm considering uh, having a uh, a new thing when we come back next year uh, for Truth Time for Pastor Monte uh, um, that I'm uh, talking about my uh, aversion to technology, just technology or new experiences in general. Well, I'm okay with new experience, but, but technology is really a tough one for me, and I, and I might call it something like cultural comedy or stuff. We'll uh, go into, you know what? I mean, I won't go into detail here, but uh, I I don't use Twitter because I can't figure it out. Yeah, Twitter's dumb. I don't, you know, I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not really into Facebook that much. Uh, the church forces me to use Facebook but uh I'm not really into Facebook that much. Anyway, anyway, so if you don't don't post stupid things on social media cuz it could just come back to bite you. And uh, as it did a couple of different people with that. Well, you and I both
0: um are pretty much in trouble if <laughs> If we ever, you know, just because, of, <laughs> just because of the nature of right, the nature of, the of podcasts, and the right, because we of the nature with. of the things that we deal with, you know, yeah. where we're talking openly about non politically correct comments, and you in particular are, <laughs> are, you'll have a hard time running for office in this climate. That's all I'm saying.
1: And you know, I, I have... gave
0: up any opportunity of that <laughs> when I became a pastor. So
1: yeah, no, your mother has told me before that I would probably, you know, do well. Um, in public service but yeah i i i doubt i could get elected because the first time somebody you know accused me of saying something i would probably agree and say yeah i i probably did say that what's your problem yeah (laughs) yeah okay so that's a now on a little more serious note here's something that caught me by surprise there was a there was a, a young woman very young woman. She's actually on the verge of being a woman versus a girl. She's about 12 years old. <laughs> okay. There you go. When her grandmother She's a tweenager. Yeah, tweenager. When her grandmother was uh, going through her hair she noticed that some of her dreadlocks looked in disarray. Dreadlocks
0: by nature look in disarray. Well, it gets better. It was an animal, wasn't it?
1: No. When her <laughs> oh my when, gosh. when her grandma asked her about it, she, she fabricated a story that three um, white boys oh, man. had attacked her and covered her mouth and tried to cut her dreadlocks off, calling her names like, you know, she's black and she's ugly and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, of course... Grandma and Grandpa reported that to the police and to the school. Now this girl attends a Christian academy. Great, and it's the same Christian academy. But not this isn't terribly related. But it's the same Christian academy in Virginia that President Vice President Pence's wife teaches at. Okay. So, so this is a Christian academy. The girl grew up in the academy. She fabri- I'm going to st- tell you that the th- she fabricated this. Mm-hmm. But in the process, she accused three boys. The police investigated. The community was in an uproar. And then come to find out that it was all fabricated. And nobody had done anything to so her. So she fessed up to it, though. Well, she was, or was in, it? she was interrogated and eventually had to, you know. Because see, the, here's the thing. And this is, uh, for, for those of you that, that have overactive imaginations, first of all, we have enough trouble in the world right now with, with uh, individuals who are of color making assertions about other individuals of color that they've been treated a certain way.
0: Don't we just have a problem with individuals in general making assertions about other
1: individuals in general? Well, in this case, it happened to be the color issue, but but I I, I you know this is reminds me of for example of uh, what's his face that I can't uh, the actor who mm. um, Jesse Smollett. Jesse Smollett. This yeah. is the same type of thing. An accusation is being made, and what happens is, is when it's, when it's placed inside of the context of race, such as this young girl saying that she was attacked by three white boys that were cutting off her dreadlocks, which is uh, black youth identify with. Do you think their th- hair and what have you?
0: Everybody identifies she, with their hair. I don't. Do you think? That they, um, but it is magnificent. Wow, do you think that they, um, man, I lost my train of thought. You know, with your magnificent comment. <laughs> do you think that it was just because she had an altercation? I was reading the story just now that she had an altercation with the boys earlier that she embellished. Do you think that it was because that they were white or because? Those were that just happened to be the color of the boys that you know it could have been any boys.
1: I don't know. I mean I, there, there's so many issues that you could unpack with this um, but but let's let's narrow things down and you you touched on it a little uh, a bit earlier. you know the the fact that you know <laughs> we're, we are all in one form or another of color sure and this this uh, distinction between nationalities and color and you know skin color and all that type of thing is not it, particularly in the body of christ is is not productive mhm and we need to recognize and appreciate individuals for who they are I imagine that, you know, there are um, systems in this young girl's school, uh, being a a, a Christian institution, there are systems set up for reporting when somebody has, uh, you know, been inappropriate towards you. Sure. And she didn't do that. Instead, she fabricated a story, which forced, which, which, which had... Broad ramifications, and good for, good for her, her grandparents, who are old school. Mm-hmm. Because her grandparents basically said, you know, oh, we are so sorry. Yeah. This is so wrong, and we're going to accept any consequence. Yeah, I think they said they're ashamed. Well, of course, and who wouldn't, because they're old school. Yeah. They still know what shame is. But there's just broad consequence for this idea of uh, getting people in trouble uh, over an assertion that you make, as, which is an out-and-out lie. So, I, I, you know, I just read that and went, wow, a 12-year-old child, what is up with that? Yeah. Okay, now I want to be sensitive to, uh, to all of my audience. And you may not know that, uh, I, you know, I may not be as savvy culturally as uh, as, I my, am. as my son Josh is, but I keep up on things. And uh, right now, do you know that there's a, uh, there's a battle going on, as it were, because uh, Damian Lillard if you don't know who he is. You lost a, me at sports. He's a basketball player for the Trailblazers. Right. Who's kinda up and coming and he thinks he's all that and so he wants to break into the field of rap. Oh really? And so he thinks he's uh all that, as I said. Is he any good? You wouldn't um, know, huh? He's not I don't well, okay, here's the thing about here's the thing about rap. Not my genre. Anything that I listen that that I have to listen that hard to to understand, not doing it for me. Right. But what was interesting about uh, about this is that in trying to promote himself, he's taking a uh, he's taking a shot uh, to see if he can make a slam dunk uh, at uh, Shaq O'Neal. Oh, yeah. I now, many gone. of you may not know that, that Shaq, back in the early 90s, um, you know, put out a, a couple of albums. He put out one album that went platinum um, of rap. And so this is old school type stuff. You know, a lot of you people you see, like Ice-T, for example, Ice-T was, you know... Uh, he started out that way LL Cool J you know on NCIS uh, Los Angeles <laughs> this is how you know all these people You isn't see it? him as a rapper or you see him as an actor but really he started out as a, a rapper and and he's quite prolific from what I understand Yeah mama said knock you out Yeah he's uh, he's he's pretty good So so Shaq had uh, a rap album that went platinum and I guess that he's the Shaq is the only NBA star inducted in, into the NBA Hall of Fame that has been able to achieve this. And so Damien, Damien has decided that he's going to take pot shots at Shaq. You know, uh, really, what's up with that? If you're, if you're all that you think you are in a particular genre... Then just do your thing and let people decide. Don't take don't take pot shots at us old folks. We already know what's going on. I uh, say so you're you're for Shaq because he's an old folk like you. You know, is sh- that what you're saying? Shack. Shack is impressive. Weird. That's weird. Shack Shack uh, is impressive. If you've ever um I I I uh uh, listen to a documentary where Shaq was talking about his life, and he was talking about some of the things. You know that that um, Shaq turned down the original contract from. This is the his biggest mistake. His business, his biggest business mistake when he retired from the NBA, is that he turned down uh, being the spokes the the spokesman to the black community for Starbucks. Oh, interesting. He's like he's he said
0: I'm thinking to myself and that's why he does everything now right <laughs> I, I don't know he does like foot cream and like yeah, just foot whatever cream he can and, uh, cars or whatever hot,
1: hot and cold or you know the back thing and Here let's yeah. check
0: let's check Damien Lillard out for a second let's let's just see how how he does
1: That's all right. Easy, easy. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. So uh, my my biggest issue is, you know... I'll post you, a link so y'all can watch yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, watching. yeah. You know, my biggest issue is that you have this young up-and-comer that thinks he's going to be something.
0: No, uh, see, keep, the thing... you keep, got,
1: keep working at it, okay? See,
0: the thing but is... Don't take pot shots at people
1: who've already
0: all right, done but, it. But you got to understand, that is what the rap community is based on well you
1: know what i mean in in a way he's giving Shaq a compliment
0: the yeah no it's true the east coast comes up and this is the west coast the west coast comes up and this is this is the east coast i think it's west coast first i can't remember and then uh you know same thing you got the you got southern rap you got all this stuff you know they're either they're either pro or against. They're always repping themselves, saying their own
1: names in their songs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's it's my. Part of fe- the, it's part of the culture. Oh, here's my feeling about the whole deal: is that in regard to rap, yeah, we are going to wrap this up. Wow. Okay, let's. T-
0: <laughs> that let's is. Talk, let's bad. do some. Let's do some culture.
1: Let's do some cultural lunacy. So, I got two words for you today. They're really simple words, actually, and you've probably heard them a lot recently. Um, One of them is uh, anti-Seminism. Anti-Seminism, which is not... Semitism? Yeah, Semitism, Seminism, you know. That means something different. (laughs) Tomato, tomato. Um, So, this is a term which is thrown around kind of loosely, as many of these terms are nowadays. But what it specifically means is it's directed to a specific people, and that is the Jews. So if you are a person who is, uh, somebody says that you're uh, an uh, anti-Semite, then what they're really saying is that, you know, you have hatred for the Jewish people. I think it's (sighs) anti-Semite. Thank you. I'm Um, sorry, i (laughs) was Sorry. I know. It's like it's like you can't control yourself.
0: I'm just trying to make sure that it is, you know.
1: So this is a this is a person what they're saying is this is a person who has hatred specifically for the Jewish people. Hostility or prejudice, yes. Uh, yeah, demonstrated in a number of different ways. Sure. So, um we do have individuals in in our culture who are uh, who are uh, distinctly that way, in the way that they present themselves. Sure. We have, uh, uh, for example, the, uh, the the politically the Squad of four and AOC and and uh, AOC. Yeah. Is anti semite. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know. Yeah, she's right along with the rest of her crew, um, but in 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 Israel if you see what goes on in regard to uh, the United Nations and Israel there are many th- that you know every every year every year since uh, since 1949 when it was uh, uh, allowed to uh, come back to Israel um by the United Nations to deal with all of the people that were escaping um, from uh, the Holocaust and what have you mm-hmm. um, the every year there are resolutions put on the floor condemning Israel, so we definitely have people out there that are you know that fall into that category but as be but as believers, we should have no part of that you know i I know some people who ascribe to being a Christian, as it were, um, who, you know, believed that, uh, you know, we should not like the Jews because they were responsible for killing Jesus. Mm-hmm. like, wow. That is, is such a lame comment and speaks to their abundance of ignorance. If you look, the Apostle Paul is very clear that um That the Jewish people were the vehicle through which God uh, brought the Savior of the world into this world. And that Gentiles, a Gentile is anybody who is not a Jew, Gentiles are grafted in to the main root. Yep. And that if we follow Scripture, if we understand what Scripture is saying, and we follow Scripture, just because Jesus Christ came... And provided the vehicle through his shed blood that we might have a relationship with God. Scripture is very clear that the uh, that the Jewish people have are, are true to God's heart and there are very specific promises that are given to them that God is going to keep. Yeah. You read the Old Testament, you read the book of Ezekiel? You read the book of Isaiah, you read these various Old Testament prophets, and these prophecies are very clear. Yeah,
0: they're God's chosen people, and they still are.
1: Yes, absolutely. So um, so as believers, we just need to, to understand that we are, if you are a Gentile, that means you're not a Jew, if you are a Gentile, such as myself, then there's a couple things you can be thankful for. You can be thankful... That we are grafted into and adopted into the kingdom of God by the work of Jesus Christ and the groundwork that was set because of the Jews. The second thing that you can be grateful for is that, um, is that God allows Gentiles to eat bacon. It is God's <laughs> gift to Gentiles.
0: Yes, no, it's true, to the world. <laughs> Um that being said in Christianity I mean Christian there's a long lineage of Christians who you know were staunch and even fundamental in their beliefs but were anti-Jewish Yeah. Um, the two that come to mind are John Chrysostom John John Chrysostom and Martin Luther. Um and both of them have said some pretty vile things. I pulled up I pulled up um John Chrysostom's he lived between 344 and 407, um, and, I mean, he has this long rant where he talks about the synagogue being a brothel, uh, let's see, he calls them the assassins of Christ, and then he says, I would say that, let's see, um, it's a house worse than a drinking shop, a den of thieves, a house of ill fame, a dwelling of iniquity, the refuge of devils, a gulf and an abyss of perdition, I would say the same thing about their souls. And as for me, I hate the synagogue, and I hate the Jews for the same reason. And that's something that he wrote. Um, Martin Luther, in his latter works, he talks about them. He talks about, first, their synagogue should be set on fire. What doesn't burn up should be covered and spread over with dirt so that no one would ever be able to even see a cinder or a stone of it. Um, second, their homes should likewise be broken down and destroyed. Third, they should be deprived of their prayer books. Fourth, their rabbis should be forbidden under threat of death to teach. Fifth, their passports and traveling privilege should be absolutely forbidden. Um, and he like goes on this like long rampage about it. it.'s It's super well known. and he actually talks about it quite a bit. Um, so there, but and I, I'm sure this is why you're bringing this up, there are people, who talk about the Jews in the proper context of their um, responsibility in the death of Christ, right. which is undeniable. Right. Um. But that's not the same thing as hating the Jews. Um. So. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah, as as believers, I think we need to have. And this is why Josh and I both have talked to you about the fact that you know you need to read the Old Testament. You need to understand God's design and how it is that um, He used the Jewish people. Um, so I, you know, but but we need to have a, a a good perspective. And as far as Scripture is concerned, God, the Jewish people are God's chosen. And as believers, um, we should look to um, the how God is going to work through Israel uh, before the uh, advent of Christ.
0: Yeah, and, and so to the point I was making, like here we have a statement by Ignatius, for instance, the bishop of Antioch. Uh, he lived between ninety-eight and one seventeen A.D., and this is what he says. He says we're still practice for if we are still practicing Judaism we admit that we have not received God's favor it is wrong to talk about Jesus Christ and live like Jews for christianity did not believe in Judaism but Judaism believes in christianity yes. that is not an anti-semitic statement
1: no 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 the apostle paul is very clear that 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 uh, believers are not to become proselytes of Judaism and there were individuals within the early church, because remember that, that well, for those of you that are, are uh, still learning these things, what happened was, was that when Jesus um, first, when the ministry of, of Jesus was first uh, um, beginning, um, the church itself was Jewish in nature for probably uh, the first 10 or 15 years. Yeah, they were all Jews. Yeah, they were all Jews. And and uh, it wasn't until much later, particularly with the uh, ministry of the Apostle Paul, but also with the uh, vision that was given to Peter in regard to the... Um, the uh, excuse me? In regard to bacon. <laughs> in regard to un- all kinds of unclean animals. Yes. That uh, the gospel was to go way beyond the Jewish faith. So there were many people who believed that, that uh, Christianity was Jewish in its uh, in its inception and how it was to lived out for a number of years it w- it wasn't until it wasn't until um, there was conflict with Rome right that the Jews began to say no 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 we're not them we're not them you know yeah. those christians we got nothing to do with them that Rome began to take issue then with Christianity because they were okay with existing religions, but not with the establishment of a new faith. Right. And so that so historically, that's where that comes from. But for many, many, many years, uh, Christianity and Judaism were clearly tied together, and there were many individuals in the early church who tried to um, to tie Christianity some type of Jewish uh, practice, and the Apostle Paul fought against this through most of his ministry.
0: Yeah, so yeah, like you look at Peter for instance. and Peter, they they uh, in the Book of Acts, they really dislike what Peter has to say. They want to kill him because he accuses them of killing the Christ. Right. Right. That is not anti-Semitism. No, it's not. No, um, it's just it's not anti-Semitism any more than it's anti-German to speak of the Nazis involvement in the Holocaust. Right. It just is what it is. Yes. And you're fair. just speaking about facts. And so a lot of things are called anti-Semite when they're not. Um, and we have to be careful to understand that we have to understand the difference between an open hostility or a prejudice toward the Jewish people that's coming out in your statements versus Speaking plainly about about the Jewish people.
1: Yes. Okay. So that's one term. Another term which is being thrown around out there quite a bit is the term woke. Right. What is woke? Well the 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 actual definition of woke. This is a this is a, a word that comes out of uh, uh, African American culture. And basically, what it's talking about is, uh, is sensitivity to, towards injustice uh, directed towards specific cultures. So in, in, the, in the black community, what it really was representing is it was representing uh, an ultra-sensitivity to uh, the injustice that occurs uh, by the African-American people on behest of uh, people who are at issue with them, and we see it thrown. It's it's slowly evolving in its usage, but basically, what it means is a a uh, almost a hypersensitivity towards social injustice. Well, it's a term.
0: It's it's a term that implies like a gnostic understanding, right?
1: Okay. It's uh, like you yeah. have
0: a special knowledge. And that's what woke is. It's right. like. If you're woke, you're a person who has a special knowledge that other people don't. And we need to stay in that special knowledge.
1: That's kind of an interesting take on it. I don't disagree. It's what it is. Yeah. Social Gnosticism. Sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, I can see that.
0: For those of you who don't know, Gnosticism is, is the idea in a duality um, where you have... Uh, you have a sort of cage of the mind that people exist in, and then you have another reality that's outside of that. And the whole point of Gnosticism is for people who are outside of this mind cage to come in and pull you out of it so that you can uh, get outside of that. The thing is, is that they have to give you this special knowledge, and nobody inside the cage can know it. And, and um, so basically, you're special uh, if you have this knowledge. And right from the beginning of Christianity, people, different Gnostics were trying to
1: um, turn Christianity into that special knowledge. Right. So what you have in today's world is you have individuals within uh, not not only the Black community but within other other ethnic communities as well, but predominantly in the Black community who represent themselves as as prophets of woke, as it were. Yeah. And they have a special knowledge about how the blacks are being uh, treated uh, inappropriately. And then they try to uh, design ways in which to exaggerate that to the general public and to bring awareness of it right. uh, to, to supposedly uh, bring about social and
0: if you're And if you're, if you're not aware of those things, it's because you are not woke. And those people who are woke need to stay woke to it. And uh, if you are not aware of those things, it's probably because you're not able to be aware, um, because you don't know what you can't know. Mm -hmm. You're not able to be aware because you don't have, uh, you don't rate high enough on your victim scale of intersectionality. Yeah, yeah. Because only people who only people who are extreme victims can be woke to the bias of society that to the to the hand that you know that pushes down on them you know because have have we
1: defined for people intersectionality
0: i don't know yeah
1: i don't know there's a cross-examination that discusses intersectionality and racism but well we discussed racism i don't know that we discuss intersectionality but there's all kinds. so those are the two terms that we're looking at today let's uh, finish up our time together by finishing up this issue of uh suicide okay I don't have music for that. You have music for that? Uh,
0: how can I I don't know be sure <laughs> yeah. in a world that's constantly changing.
1: Um, you know what we were discussing last week, we were discussing the whole issue of this individual uh, who was a pastor who basically um, committed suicide. Jared Wilson. And the effect that it would have upon the church, and there, I mean, so I, and and my concern, of course, was, was that it, it it not only did it send an incorrect message, but it it uh, addressed what we've been in a negative form. It addressed what we've been talking about for uh, a while now: the fact that as believers, we are dead to self. Right. And that we are to be alive to Christ, and because we are alive to Christ, uh, then that means that he is sufficient in our life for, for all that there is. And when somebody who professes to be a believer takes their life, basically what they've done is they've made a loud and clear statement that Christ is insufficient. Now, they may not understand that they're making that statement, but that is the statement that they're making. I don't want to diminish the significance of people who have uh, mental um, issues that they deal with. Um, depression is a, is a real issue that people uh, have a predisposition towards. There are some people that have a predisposition towards being melancholic. There are other people that this can be brought on through chemical reactions within their body. Um, but like foods and various types of things. So sure. there there are things which bring about that, and and we're not saying that that doesn't exist. What we are saying, though, is just like any predisposition uh, before Christ, all of those things, when we become believers, we are to submit all of those things to Christ and, and uh, allow him to help us work through those things that he might be glorified. Because Jesus Christ is all sufficient. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the, the, so this is the, the broader issue. And for, for me, um, I put this issue uh, very much up there with. Um, there are a couple of theological issues which I, which I think Scripture is, is very clear on. And, and, uh, and while if you go to Scripture and you look for a specific thing in Scripture where it talks about suicide, um, you're not going to find a lot. In the Old Testament, there are four or five issues where we see individuals uh, taking their life. Um, scripture really doesn't run commentary on what happened, uh, what God's position was on that. If you read in the New Testament, there are basically two upfront issues. One is that Judas Iscariot took his own life. Right. So again, we don't see, however, any social commentary there. And then there is uh, the Apostle Paul in Philippians, uh, in, in Acts actually, intervening. Uh, that the uh, Philippian jailer would not take his life because he was afraid uh, when the Holy Spirit intervened and the chains fell off of uh, those and he's about ready to kill himself. Right. You know, uh, <laughs> they said, "Wait, wait, wait! Don't, don't, don't kill yourself." Um, aside from that, um, all we have in Scripture uh, is is fairly limited. Uh, in regard to a commentary on how we approach the issue of suicide. How I approach it, as I've already alluded to, is that in Christ, I am, um, I am given to, to him. And so that means that myself has died. I live to bring glory to God. And so that means that I'm willing to subject my life to the sovereignty of God. Right. And if I subject my life to the sovereignty of God, then if I then turn around and say I don't believe in that sovereignty and I'm going to intervene, see the extrapolation of I'm willing to uh, submit to the sovereignty of God is that God is going to take me when God's going to take me. Yeah, that, That's not my choice. Right. It's like when the doctor says to me, well, you need to stop doing this or you're going to die. I'm like... You you don't understand that's not your call. That's like when the doctor told my wife that she was going to die because she has cancer. I told him that's not your call. That's God's call. So when somebody takes their life and they claim to be a disciple of Christ, they are insulting in my book, they are insulting their creator.
0: How do you feel about, um, you know, like the, the, I guess it would be, it would be like the following through with it. Like, you know, soldier on a battlefield, that guy's going to die in a matter of, you know, minutes. And, you know, he's going to have a painful death or whatever as he's bleeding out.
1: And so he commits Harry Carey?
0: No. And so, like, he, you know, he shoots himself or asks somebody to to like end it quickly for him
1: again it goes to the issue of sovereignty you you have you have no idea i mean, it's a great question mm-hmm. what you know whatever your circumstances you're in a car accident and you're you know you flipped your car and you're uh you know you're uh, upside down hanging somewhere and you've been there for three days and you're like, "You know, I can't take this anymore. You don't know, yeah, what miracle God is going to perform, or how it is that He's going to intervene in the circumstance that you're in. right? And if you say that you're a believer and you say that you believe in the providence of an almighty God, then live what you say.
0: Uh, do you consider like pulling the plug? on somebody the same
1: thing as suicide. Yeah, euthanasia. Uh, (laughs) um, Well, euthanasia is when somebody else is making that call for you. Right, but I mean like
0: somebody saying like, you know, I don't want extreme measures taken. So they're not pulling, they're not, you know, they're being kept alive. um, They're being kept alive by a machine, for instance. But and their life isn't viable on their own.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question. And again, I think it goes back to the issue as believers. We have a responsibility to to walk the talk. So if somebody says to me and says, you know, Pastor Monty, are you going to fill out a form that says you don't want any, you know... Um, Extreme measures. Extreme measures. A DNR. Yeah, at, at resuscitation. I think that I agree with that because... My life is in the hands of God, and so if He's going to take me, I don't want man intervening in that process. Okay, that's personally—that's me yeah. personally. But, but more importantly, for the life of the believer, my position is is that you know we have given ourselves to uh, Jesus Christ wholly, and we are to and self is dead, and we are to live that Christ be glorified. And the Lord is gonna take me when he's gonna take me, and I'm okay with that.
0: What do you think about like the Mossad complex?
1: Historical issue, a little bit different. Um,
0: so like you're a soldier, you're in battle, the enemy's yeah. gonna take you, you kill yourself so that they can't.
1: Yeah. Um, from a theological standpoint I disagree with it, but remember the the Jews for for, for those of you who are not aware of what Josh is referring to, before the, the, there were a band of Jews when the Romans were trying to defeat the Jews around 70 A.D. or so, they, um, they climbed up onto a rock formation, which is there, and they had a Jewish community up there, which the Romans could not get to. And so the Romans' way of dealing with that is that they began building ramps up to get to these, this community so they could kill them. They were the last holdouts. Right. So, uh, in order, so when the Romans were just about ready to breach um, the community, um, a pact was made. That the fathers of each family would kill um mother, children, everybody and and uh, and then they would kill themselves, so that when the Romans uh, burst into this community on top of this uh pinnacle, they found everybody dead mm-hmm. And and uh, so Josh's question is, what about that? Is that appropriate? Well, my first comment is, is that that's you know, those people were not believers; they were Jews. Sure, same God. Same God, but in but in a different understanding of how God would intervene and who He is. Uh huh. So, I don't. Personally, that would be a really hard decision, and I'm not sure that I would agree with that. Again, we don't know how God is going to intervene. As believers, you know, if you find yourself in an extreme circumstance, you may not know this, but I'm just going to share with you that um, you, you, as a child of God, as a disciple of Christ, have an immense an immense amount of power. Mm-hmm. And and you your prayer alone can call the angels down to intervene. And you don't know. I mean, I, one of the most fascinating books that I ever read was uh, uh, about missionaries living in foreign lands and some of the things that they uh, would go through. And uh, one of the thing, one one story was about a missionary that was in this village that was being attacked by these in Africa by these marauding soldiers, and how um, they were uh, they were fearful for their lives, but uh, they didn't commit suicide. They prayed. They prayed fervently to God, and, and God intervened. And sent angels to protect these guys. He, the 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 missionary knows this to be true, because later in life he talked to those. One of those marauders came to know Christ, and and related to him that what they believed because because God allowed them to see this 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 horde of. Individuals surrounding the house, and they believed that they uh, were uh, going to be slaughtered if they uh, if they tried to uh, invade this house and take this missionary. Hmm. God sent His angels to protect them. Yeah. So as believers, you know, we have an immense amount of power available to us uh, in the heavenlies to call out to our heavenly Father and say, "Protect me." Uh, from this calamity which is upon me. But first and foremost, we are relying upon the providence of God and not upon ourselves. And And, that's where I would fall. And,
0: yeah, none of those examples that we talked... Those are all, like, sort of offshoots of ways in which you could die. Obviously, of ways in which you could partake in your own death. Um, But obviously to wrap up like the conversation that we're, that we're talking about is, is about mental health, like more than anything. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's a difficult conversation to have, but really what it comes down to is focus. Yes. It's, it comes down to focus on, on whether you believe that Jesus is bigger than anything that you have in your life. Um,
1: and reminding Satan, remember we've we've had discussion about self-talk, but reminding Satan that um, he no longer has victory over you.
0: Uh, Christy has a quick question. She says Catholics believe it is an unforgivable sin. You will not be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. What are your thoughts
1: on this? Well, the uh, thanks, Christy. Um, as you might guess. Um there are many things that I disagree with the Roman Catholics on the 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 belief that Roman Catholicism represented was that uh, they uh, taught in incorrectly that um the founder of Roman Catholicism the apostle peter right held the um, keys the, to the heaven ch- and hell that that's correct and that and that, that so the church controlled who could enter and who could not
0: well and specifically and that's, and
1: that's not biblical
0: specifically the reason why suicide is uh keeps you out of heaven is because you have to have your rights to get into heaven Right, and if you take your own life then you never get you were your ne- you were never
1: given your rights and, and so, so, so you're
0: not pure and so you can't enter into heaven now how that works with purgatory and whether a relative can somehow pay you out of heaven and all of these pay you into heaven and right. all of this. Right. Um, none of that's biblical. Right. Um, I'll, my...
1: corporate sin versus temporal sin. Right. And just, all of that, you know, all that stuff.
0: So my personal take on it, my personal take on it is that there's a category for suicide that registers as just man's weakness. And I think that God, um, that God's grace exceeds our own weaknesses. It's a terrible, terrible thing that when a person commits suicide out of their their weakness to hold their focus on Christ.
1: Um, But I don't think that that keeps you out of heaven. No, no. What what we understand from what Scripture teaches us, and this is true of many things that we talk about, what we understand is that this issue, particularly... Is an issue that affects the living. Right. When you listen, if you're a believer and you fall to weakness and you kill yourself, um, your journey here on earth as a believer is over. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of God, and, ju- and God will extend judgment and grace as He sees fit. Because why? Because He is sovereign. I, I, but, we, but those people who have to live yeah. with the consequence of your decision, that's really difficult for them.
0: And I, I think we need to be clear to distinguish the difference between somebody's weakness and somebody's rebellion. And there is a huge difference between the two. If somebody takes their life in rebellion to what scripture has stated um, and basically creates their own idea about what God will or won't do. In other words, if somebody sins knowing that grace will abound as opposed to somebody who sins um, like psychotically, essentially, like they're so overcome by it that they're not thinking clearly and so they take their own life. That's way different than when somebody plans to take their own life thinking God will forgive me because God... Looks at things this way, and you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, Um, that's way different. When somebody willfully sins, banking on God's grace to get them out of it, then I think you have to question a person's um, theology, and I think it's questionable whether that person was a Christian to begin with.
1: Yeah, and and so I would so to close this discussion and our time together today, I think it's important to understand that. You know, this is a complex issue, and what Josh and I are really talking about is w- how does Scripture represent the issue within the context of understanding uh, the character of God and knowing how it is that we address this. So one last question from Christy. Okay.
0: Would you say that suicide then is a sin? I would.
1: Uh, yes, yes, definitely.
0: I, th- th- You have to ask how you define sin. Sin is missing God's mark. Right. That's really simple, right? Suicide is absolutely a
1: sin. And what we what we what we talked about before is that it is specifically linked to um, the the sin of indulging in self and depression,
0: right. not having faith in God to be your peace and allowing Him to fulfill that, but instead taking for yourself uh, based upon your anxiety. Right. Uh, It's not compatible with Scripture. A person who has their focus on God has their mind on what is pure, what's lovely, what's beautiful. Right. And as the Scriptures say, because of their mindset, then the peace that passes all understanding will be upon them.
1: That's exactly correct. So
0: it is incompatible with Scripture. It's incompatible with somebody whose focus is on God, which is the correct mindset to, to take their own life uh from from mental anguish it's incompatible now does that mean it's unforgivable no just like it's not unforgivable when we commit any other sin but is it a sin yeah it falls short
1: and 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 that then is where we want to leave this discussion yes Uh, you know josh and i agree Our, our position is to present to you the truth of what scripture has to say and the emphasis for the believer is to be focused upon the work of the Holy Spirit within our lives because we have died to self and we are raised to Christ to walk a new life. And so that needs to be our focus. And when we get out of focus and we delve into whatever it might be which is uh, accentuated in ourself, we then are in a position of danger and that is Not where the believer needs to be. Which
0: is why we, because we are not stable narrators, it's important that we be in scripture, which reveals a a stable narration to us. It's important that we be with other believers who, when they are thinking clearly and we're not, they can pull us back to where we need to be. All of those things. Mm-hmm. Very, very important.
1: All right. Thanks for being with us. We're going to close Truth Time today, and uh, we have just a couple more. What, two or three more? Just a few more.
0: We go until the end of, um, let's, well, we just go until the end of October. So okay. we have four weeks, and I think we're good for all four of those weeks. Yeah? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, let's close out, and then after this after this month we'll be done for uh two months while we take time to celebrate the holidays, and we come up with a few new things. Hey, if you have some ideas uh in regard to to the uh new segment that Pastor Monty wants to do where he shows how difficult it is for an old person to adjust to new things um let us know like. You want to see him try something? You want to see him take a look at you know Stop something? Stop that! <laughs> I'm just saying, if you have if you have an idea, like it would be really great to have him listen to, uh, you know, some rap song or something. I don't know, whatever. Uh, message us. Um, yes, Christy, we can message you in private about different scriptures, um, uh, in regard to this. Actually, there's a great website for anybody: gotquestions.org great website. I recommend it. I myself donate to it um, because I actually value it quite a bit in my um, pastoral ministry. So check out gotquestions.org. You can ask pretty much any question, and they have loads and loads of scripture and commentary. So gotquestions.org. However, if you are seeking um, answers that we can give you want to know more about your faith if you're new to jesus christ the bible we want to help you on our end too so you can check out the help tab at abfpdx.org like i said you can also check out gotquestions.org it's great um we're always open to your questions uh and we're ready and waiting to deliver some sage advice so don't be shy and uh remember that the truth time with pastor monty podcast is a resource of lathe bible fellowship Portland, Oregon. It's a webcast on the Vigilance Radio Network, a resource developed by Project Vigilance, ABF's web portal that provides helpful and interesting online resources for the church local and at large. And if you want to be a part of the VRN and what we're doing here, you can join the Vigilance Radio Network's Facebook page, and you'll get access not just to Truth Time, but to all of our shows, like for instance, Cross Examination, which just ended its second season. Uh, You'll get access to that. You'll get access to to the upper story, which is the one where youth are talking about stuff. The, uh, next month, they're talking about um, the place of youth in the church in general. Um, and you get to comment and question in real time. Um, if you've enjoyed Truth Time, consider supporting us. Our networking shows are free to you, but they're not free to us. So head over to abfpdx.org and click the donate tab. Maybe we'll hold up a sign on the screen that you know that has our, our Venmo or our Cash App. Wow, uh, <laughs> you know for beer money, um, <clears throat> just like that one guy. Yeah. Um, and speaking of those, we do take all of those things: Venmo, Cash App, uh, Google Pay, Apple Pay. Um, in all of those cases, I believe our hashtag is abfpdx. So you can find us at any of those places and you can donate to our very poor ministry. And if you're poor like us, that's cool too. You can still partner with us by remembering to like, subscribe, and share this podcast, which you can always find on ABF's YouTube page, Instagram, and Facebook, and the VRN Facebook group. So take a second to visit those group pages so you can stay up to date whenever we share new content each week, at least for the time being during this month of October. And remember that that content is shared on Tuesdays at 11 a.m., and we will see you then. I'm Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF, and this has been Pastor Monty. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.